Welcome to the International Coaching Podcast, brought to you by the International Association of Coaching, the world's foremost community of professional coaches, changing the world in positive and powerful ways and contributing to evolving human potential worldwide. Join the IAC today at certifiedcoach.org. Welcome back, everybody. My name's Terry Lepofsky, and it's great to be back with you all again today for another episode of the International Coaching Podcast, the place where coaches come to listen and learn from fascinating people. Before we get into the thick of things, I want to announce that the next IAC Learning Circle webinar is coming up on March the 24th, 2021 at 8.30 a.m., Eastern time in North America. So you have to adjust your watches. The topic is going to be embracing coaching in youth. And we've got a couple of panelists, Ronwin Hedgedorn and Roshan Seren. This is going to be hosted by Chen Hoi Chu and it's free. So we would love to have everybody join and everybody attend. So please check out the IAC LinkedIn page. Or you can head on over to the website at certifiedcoach.org slash events. And that's where you'll pick up all the details and you can register. For today's episode, we're here to talk about coaching as a higher form of communication. What a great topic. And after scouring the globe for an outstanding and influential coach, we found one of the most interesting people that we could ever hope to interview. That's right. Coming to us all the way from the Gold Coast of Australia, it's my honor and pure privilege to welcome Mr. Des Walsh. Welcome, Des. Thank you, Terry. Very good to be here. So as we're recording this, I'm sitting on a fine evening in Ottawa in Canada, and you're on pretty much the opposite side of the globe and just south of Melbourne, Australia. So it's early tomorrow morning for you and in the yes. evening for, for me. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I can tell you, the day is looking good, Terry. It's very cool to connect with you across the globe like this, Des. It's yeah. our tradition to brag a little bit about our guests, so I hope you'll allow mm. me the privilege to oh, do that. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Sure. So let, let's find out who we've got on the show here today. Des Walsh is not just a coach. He's actually been actively engaged for coaching for over 20 years, promoting the business opportunities of the digital economy. Here's something to know. Des was one of the founding members of the International Association of Coaching, where he's also served on its board. And what's more, Des was actually a graduate of the legendary Coachville. Anybody who's been around coaching for a while knows that name, Coachville. Well, here is somebody who actually graduated from that. And he's a certified specialist in social media strategy and affiliate marketing, which is very, very cool. In an earlier life, I understand that, Des, you were a senior executive with the Australian and New South Wales state governments, and you're responsible for a range of programs and projects across education, the arts, cultural development, and major events. And before starting on your coaching path, I understand that you established your own business as a communication consultant. You're currently one of the team that's delivering the global Impact One Billion Lives Project, and that's uh, initiated by 
a UK billionaire and philanthropist, isn't it? George Singh Dinsa. Right. I, I knew that I was going to mess that up. So thank you very much for bringing me a while to practice. For me. Yeah, listen, <laughs> welcome. Welcome on board. It is such a pleasure to have you here on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the good words. Appreciate it. Des, I'm curious because you mentioned to me that you wanted to talk about this great topic, but I wanted to ask you first about your path to get into coaching. Yeah. I know that you've been a coach longer than even some coaches have been around. How did you find coaching or did it find you? What what happened there? Yeah, good good questions, Terry. Um, uh, I have to tell you a little story. Uh, <laughs> sure. When, when I was doing the, the consulting work, I uh, I was writing reports, as, as you do uh, in some consulting work, uh, for government agencies, for companies. And um, I had one report that actually I did for a government agency, which they buried. Uh, they didn't like the results. They, they wouldn't let anybody see it. Uh, uh, some years later, a former pupil of mine said, I want to tell you something. You know that report that you wrote? He said, um, uh, they've just been through two years of uh, investigation themselves and uh, this committee, and they have come up with a report which is basically saying what you said previously and which they didn't want to hear. <laughs> So that's kind of illustration of what goes on. And, uh, you know, you know how government works. Um, yes, of course. Or doesn't. <laughs> and um, so I was in this personal development growth, uh, personal development session, and they gave us an exercise, which is what would you like to see on your tombstone? And I thought that's, and I thought carefully about that and meditated on it. And so I wrote, this man wrote interesting reports, which nobody acted on. Because people <laughs> used to say, it was very interesting, Des. <laughs> And Love I knew it. I had to do something with my life. Right. Yes. I yeah. couldn't go on like that. You no, know, writing um, reports that other people claim credit for later. Said that, on. <laughs> said they're interesting. Oh, that too. Yeah. But uh, interesting. I didn't want to be the man who wrote interesting reports that nobody took any action. So a friend of mine said, you should think about coaching. And I thought, coaching? And my, my sense was, uh, apart from sports coaching, was, and, and this is with all due respect to, to younger people, because I love working with younger people, was I thought, people who are about a lot younger than me sitting next to me at some business breakfast and saying, what are you doing? They say, I'm a life coach, you know, and they, and I thought that's not me because I'm not 20 years old anymore. And, right. and I don't see what the point is, you know? Um, so I had to, had a lot to learn, Jerry, a lot to learn. And a friend said you should. So I started to do some research and there was a, um, I had, I met with a guy who was a very a wonderful man and a, and a very uh, successful executive coach. And he, I said, there's this thing coming up in Sydney with some uh, a guy named uh, Thomas Leonard going to do a workshop. Do you think I could get, I should go? And he said, he's the man. You've got to go. Yeah. So I paid a moderate, moderate, a modest amount of money, about $190, I think it was, for the three-day workshop with Thomas Leonard. Only time I know that he ever came to Australia. Yeah. And the only time that he ever did one of these in Australia, as far as I know. And uh, and then I, I was really taken with it. I thought, ah, oh, this is this is something I, I watched him do the demonstration coaching sessions, you know, and um, just a, when you see a master at work, you know, um, and I thought I can do this. And the, one of the best things I saw about it was I, could, I can grow with this. There is no limit to how much I can, how much good I can do to how much. Uh, I can learn. Uh, there isn't an end point. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There isn't a point where I'll say, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And that's been the truth of my experience. Um, 
I went up to Thomas in a short break at a break we had, and he it was interesting because all these people who had great respect for him, but he was just standing alone, like in his own space. And I said, I said, how do you do all this online? And he said, you have to come to our conference in in San Francisco next year. I said, oh, okay. So having spent $197, I then spent thousands of dollars <laughs> on airfares, on becoming a life member of, because of, uh, there was a good deal going with Coach yeah. Hall, to become a yeah. life member of the Coach Hall School. And I went there, I made great friends. I learned so much about coaching in a way that inspired and excited me. And um, uh, and so I then got really into that. And then when Thomas um, uh, initiated the... Uh, the IAC, International Association of Coaching. I was there and into that. And then I had the great privilege of working on the masteries over a period of a couple of years. We used to use telephone hookups. Yes. have all this. Oh. And um, one of the things that I like to tell people was uh, uh, that in those sessions where we worked out the masteries, yeah. um, you know, two or three-hour conversations, which were at least a couple of hours, and sometimes there'd be a lull, there'd be a quietness because somebody yeah. had made some point or suggested some way of reworking a text. And eventually someone would say, is anyone there? <laughs> is that right, eh? <laughs> some of the best moments were those silences, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of silence. I think that it's yeah. one of the most powerful things that there are. Yeah. So that, that's a long way, long story to how I became a coach. But um, it was um, it was a really transforming moment. Seeing you know, you've uh, a great two, privilege meeting Thomas. Oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, the you know the legend himself, uh, really the sure. the godfather of coaching, um, lifelong learning in one human being right here. Yeah. If there's anybody that um, I would consider to be a guru of coaching, it's Des Walsh, oh, and you're you. here today to talk about something that I find really fascinating, and that is coaching is a higher form of communication. Mm. So that to me is absolutely jam packed with meaning and potential. Talk to us a little bit about that. What does this mean to you? And where does it come from? What do you see on this? Believe it or not, it comes from Thomas Lennon. Oh, it does. It does. I, and whether I heard him say it or saw it written, I know that he, he, that's where I got it from. And that really sparked my thinking about coaching. Yeah. And, um, and and I was just thinking this morning, uh, just preparing for this, that it could also, you could also call it a deeper form of communication, but I like higher form of communication. And that, to me, um, cuts through a lot of the, the many theories, the many practices, the many opinions about coaching, what it is, what it could be, what it should be, what it shouldn't be, what it isn't, all of that. Because yeah. what we... Um, this is one thing, one thing that distinguishes us as human beings that we have various ways of every, every creature has ways of communicating, I suppose, but we have a particular gift in terms of ways we can communicate. And so often we use communication to uh, words or text to justify our position, reinforce our, our opinions. And that's, that's okay. But sometimes we we don't talk about the or we even sometimes think a lot about the who we really want to be, and sometimes because we're slightly maybe slightly embarrassed about expressing some really higher goal that others might think are are um, 
not are beyond our scope. And and I was just telling someone the other day a story about how I came up with it when I worked in the government, came up with an idea which turned into a huge national project. And um, a co former colleague of mine was talking to another former colleague and said, and he said, wasn't that magnificent? It was in the arts world. Wasn't that a magnificent thing, that event? And, and, she, and she said to him, yeah, that was Des's idea. And he said, oh, no, Des wouldn't have thought of that. Really? So, yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, we sometimes we're, we're a bit shy about, you know, you have a few of those experiences and you're a bit shy about coming up with a big idea. Because yeah. people say, there he goes again, another crazy idea, you know. Yeah. So um, I'm just trying to get to this work around this point because it's got, as you say, a lot of things can be unpacked from it. What I have found in, um, in in coaching is, we talked about it earlier, the silences. One of the most important things for me about as being a coach is to get better and better at listening, uh, to listening to what I call the truth beneath the truth. You know, the not what's on the surface, but, and it can be, it was, with Zoom now a bit better than by phone, um, it can be a body language. It can be hesitation. It can be a, a, a reaction to something I say that is not a not a not a positive reaction, a kind of a bracing, you know. And then I yeah. want to go. For, I want the client to tell me more about that, and not just to use "tell me more about that" as a way to prompt more conversation, but to say, "Let's let's go a bit into that more. What are you really aiming for? What what?" What's your, what's your crazy dream? You know that that comes to possibilities. Does that make some sense? It makes perfect sense. It's um, it's digging in. It's it's um, it's making the understanding three dimensional. It's mm, it's okay. understanding what's behind the answer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I like um, what you've been talking about with with space and using space. But I'm I'm actually thinking that what you're doing with this is you are managing the space between somebody and where they hope to be. Mm. Mm. You know, Thomas uh, had had another <coughs> phrase about um, uh, creating um, creating a vacuum that pulls you forward. So it's not. The push that we do with ourselves a lot, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to, I've got that goal, and, and pushing ourselves. But it's, it's having an intention or a, a vision, whatever it is, that, because of nature of a vacuum, you know, that it pulls us to, to it. You know, we are uh, enthused, inspired to go to that. Now, that's the thing that I want to help people realize, even if they're scared of it. Maybe even especially if they're a bit scared of it. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. Will, will help them to be, you know, the person they want to be. Um, I, I, I remember uh, hearing a story once of a, a young woman who was, um, her parents thought she could be, she could, she could do better. You know, she was not performing quite so well. And they were yeah. talking about her grades and stuff. And they said, um, we just want you to be the best you can be. She said, you want me to be a Marine? <laughs> Yeah, that's so, good. Yeah, but but that's we all want that. I mean, the people don't. I always say people don't come to me for coaching to be a bit better. They come for transformation. Yes, that's a huge responsibility and gift for somebody. But they don't. A lot of people don't articulate that. They say, oh, "I want to improve my 
my percentages, my sales by 10%. And how will that make you feel? You know, and sort of work through that conversation so they can see. I, 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 was, I was coaching a, a lawyer some years ago, very straight-laced kind of classic yeah. formal lawyer. And I said, um, you know what I really want for you? And he said, what's that? I said, I said, I want you to discover your greatness. And I thought he's going to say, uh-oh, you know, woo-woo stuff here. And he said, I really like that. And uh, so never underestimate people's capacity to want greatness in their life. That I'm going to quote you on that. Never oh. underestimate people's desire. Yes. To, to have greatness. To have in greatness their in their life. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. I like that a lot. Okay. It's it's seeing that there is a, a greater potential yeah. with people and then helping them, supporting them to bring that out. Yeah. Being there for them. I like that you talked about listening, a deeper listening, um, using space to facilitate that, a deeper level of understanding. When we talk about a higher form of communication, there's often differing ideas about where expression from the coach needs to come into the coaching conversation. Any thoughts on that when we're talking about this higher form of communication? My my main thought is, I think, a practical one, but it also um, gives me space to ask questions that, mightn't have been anticipated um and that is ask permission uh when i want to suggest something i I will say i have another thomas reference uh thomas has said you know you if you think something comes to you in the session and you're not sure whether how the client's going to receive it you can say "I, i just have an inkling of something that might be helpful can i share that with you so you, you're really allowing the client to say, no, that's not me, or to say, oh, that could be interesting. And Thomas, when asked what was an inkling, he said, it's the feeling you get in your little toe. <laughs> <laughs> not sure if I felt intuition in my little toe before, but no, I'll I have didn't. to watch for but, that. But, it, 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 you know, it's that, it's a very, a very the inkling is, is not a fully formed opinion. Right. You're not saying, I've always found in my experience, you're saying, I've just had this thought uh-huh. because you're trying to tune into their wavelength, which is really important, and you might not have got it. You might right. have turned the dial right to exact point. Yeah. And, 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 and rather than pushing the energy onto them, even though you're giving it a nudge, you're still bringing the energy out of them. Yes. You're allowing them, you're giving them the space to say, well, I always thought, that I could do more than this, you know? I always right. thought that there was maybe something further on that I could reach for. Yeah. Co- a coaching conversation and this higher form of communication, it doesn't just necessarily have to be with a coach, coachy relationship or a, a no. boss and employee relationship. Mm. Where could this higher form of communication also apply? Parents and children. Ah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's great if parents can have that kind of understanding that says you can come to me at any time and even if I don't approve of what you're doing, I will listen to you. You know, I'll give you a hearing because so many young people 
get into difficult situations and they really don't know who to talk to other than their mates who are probably in the same boat half the time. Right. You know, so yeah. parents, a lot of people talk about supervisors being coaches. It's a very difficult thing to be, to really do co be coaching in the way you or I might coach with people where we're not in any kind of supervisory or um, <clears throat> them reporting to us type of role. But I, I really do believe the skills skills of coaching, as for instance, in the masteries, can be learned by people who are in supervisory positions. So they become better. They mightn't become great coaches, but they can become better at supervising in a really human sense of helping people realize their potential of, of really listening to them. And, and I've had people that supervise me who never really listened. They had their mind made up about what I should be doing. Yeah. And uh, so any, any idea that they might use some coaching techniques were just not on, not on the agenda. So and that'd I be think, a couple of examples. I think about some of the leadership styles that I've seen most commonly, the commanding leadership style, certainly there's nothing to do with coaching there. It's no. about, here's what you're going to do. And I've got all the answers. And if you've got yeah. a problem, bring it to me now and, you know, go sit back down. And when we talk about coaching as a coaching style, immediately there's a greater engagement. There's a greater sense of empathy and compassion. Yes. There is um, greater engagement that tells the employee the direct report that you matter and I care about your success and I care about your future development. Yes. And I think that in itself is perhaps what you're speaking of in that employee boss relationship. This is a, a higher and more effective form of communication, a methodology that really facilitates interpersonal success. Yes. And also can, could give both parties a, a, a greater sense of um, of uh, doing something worthwhile. Right. Just, yeah. 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 Um, I didn't prep you for this one too much, but I'm going to ask it anyway, Des, mm -hmm. uh, because you were involved with the coaching masteries from the get go when when mm -hmm. they were when they were dreamed up and before yes. they even hit paper. And is there one of the masteries that you tend to is it your, do you have a favorite child amongst the nine? <laughs> mm, um, I, 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 you did give me a clue that you might ask that. And uh, that's, that's a hard one. I mean, that's like asking a parent, which of the children do they like best? You know? That's why I framed <laughs> it that way. It's tough. <laughs> no, 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 that's right. Well, out of all of them, I think, uh, and along the lines of what we've been talking about, I, I really believe that and one of the things that I still have to work on after all this time is engaged listening. Because somebody says something that you think, oh, yeah, I know that, I, you know, part of the brain says, I know the answer to that. So and to, to just be able to stop and say, huh, um, can you say a little more about that? Is, is, is a, some people are really good at that. I, I, I'm still learning, you know. <laughs> and so engaged listening is really, uh, it's, um, what they call appreciative listening, but that's not that's slightly different. But engaged listening is I'm really engaged with this this person who's trusted me to have this conversation. I need to to kind of be in in vibe with them, not just listening to words. And uh, so that's engaged listening. And, the, and, and I, if I can have a second one, it would be 
um, uh, the possibilities, you know, sort of helping people realize that's number eight, I think, uh, realize, uh, think about possibilities, con consider possibilities. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and I've, I've been in situations with coaching where <clears throat> the real challenge is to help people just face another day in the situation they're in. So inviting possibilities is still worthwhile because if they feel that life is just going to be a repetition of yesterday and today and tomorrow, then that's very disheartening. And it might be something like I, I once was talking with a guy that I, I regarded very, as very ambitious and um, really very thoughtful and highly skilled. And when I asked him what he'd really like, really like to do, he said, spending more time in my garden. You know, that wouldn't have come. I thought he might be reaching for some bigger contract as a consultant or a position and CEO or something. Mm -hmm. you know, so so then 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 I'm engaging with that person, not just with it, it's a it's a relationship, uh, a trusted relationship. And then we go back to another idea of, of forming that trusted relationship. And the trusted relationship doesn't just happen when you first have a meeting and saying, uh, they're saying, will I engage you as a coach? It, it can, like any relationship, the trust needs to be maintained and, grow, and grown. <clears throat> good, a good point. It's, um, it's a very personal place that very few people will probably end up in conversation with, with anybody else, even yes. their spouse, even yes. particularly their <clears throat> boss. Yes. Uh, because, you know, who yeah. wants to come up to their boss and say, you know what, I'm really struggling with X, Y, or Z, yes. or I just can't seem to make any headway. I'm banging yeah. my head against a brick wall when it comes to A, B, or C. But that independent perspective, I hear you. It's um, There's something magical that happens when that inviting possibilities starts to happen. And, and somebody who has been staring at that brick wall and becoming more and more demoralized starts realizing that potentially there, there are options. There's, there may be a way there's hope. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, um, like I said earlier, I think everybody deserves to work in a place where they can look forward to going to work on a Monday, on a Monday morning. Yeah, and, and look, uh, I think the, the world is, at the moment, full of people who are suffering a, a bit of a hope deficiency uh, that, you know, that so many people out of work, so many people who've lost jobs that may never come back, companies that may never come back. Uh, yeah. or that, you know, we've had a lot of, uh, in this country, we've had a lot of um, government support to keep companies going and to keep people in employment. And uh, some of the pundits are saying some of those companies are really kind of zombie companies. They're only being kept alive by government subsidy. And when that tapers off, they will fold and probably inevitable. But, you know, and every, for, for every one of those companies, the, you don't just have employees, you don't just have customers, you don't have just employees, you have the employees, families, all their relationships, you know. And it comes down to how will I buy the kids' new, new school, shoes for school? How will we keep the mortgage going on the house, you know, all of those worries come crashing in. How can people think about possibilities when they're, they're thinking about immediate crisis or, or a looming crisis? So I think there's a huge amount of, of possibility for coaches to, for all of us to step up the game and help if, we, if we're coaching 
CEOs or, or people who are in supervisory positions to help them be better at what they do and more attuned to that, what's going on in the people they work with. You know, I, I once was going, I had a, a unit in government that I was responsible for. There were about 20 people there. I was the, it was a kind of semi-government organisation. I was the CEO and we're under a lot of political pressure, which I was getting every day with phone calls from the Premier's office. You know, yeah, yeah. what are you doing about this? What are you doing about that? I was under a lot of pressure. They, they were getting, so I walked into the office one day and one of the more, the more senior staff said to me, they'd known me for many years, said, why don't you smile? And I said, what? And she said, how do you think, how do you think we feel when you come in looking grumpy? What, do you th what sort of day do you think we're going to have if you're grumpy? And I said, hmm, okay. So the next day I came in and I said, hello, is that, is that, is that okay? And she said, it's a start. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> uh, something you said kind of connected the dots for me between what you said and what we talked about earlier. You said, mm -hmm. you know, you talked about people, especially right now with, you know, this pandemic that we've been yeah. under, it's a year old and mm -hmm. uh, people have been in chaos for a year worried about the person next to them, worried about their jobs, worried about scrambling to keep care of their kids while they're trying to work and the rest of it. As worried people, about their elderly parents. Right. Yeah. But I'm thinking as people sort of slide down high, uh, Maslow's hierarchy to the basic needs, mm -hmm. that hope is on, it's a, it's at a higher level. And I think that hope uh, inviting possibilities, as you said, that is that because it's at a higher level, it's almost like it does create that vacuum that Thomas Leonard talked about that yes. pulls people back up. Yes. What a brilliant example of that. That's I think a, that that's, uh, yeah. we didn't plan yeah. that, did we, Des? No, we didn't. That's great, Terry. Yeah, I, I, I really that. like how I that's use come that. out. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Okay, let me ask you this. I got just a few more questions here. Yes. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've had to navigate through as a coach? Hmm. One of the biggest challenges I've had is coming to terms with the fact that I, and the implications, that I am not available anymore to coach people, two, two categories. One is the people who um, uh, think about cost not value, that they uh, are always late with their payments and wanting me to be tolerant of that. Yes. Um, and, not, and not actually taking action. So there is no point in me, I, I don't feel good about coaching them because it's a struggle and because um, it diverts me from supporting other people who'll be more, who are looking for value rather than how much is this costing me, you know? Um, right, yeah. And so that's that I had to get a bit tough, if you like, on myself about that. And the second category is the people who want me to make them better because I can't. Right, you're not a pill. I did have one one client at one stage who said, I'm expecting you to make me successful. And I was self-regarding enough at the time to think, oh, yeah, I can help with that. But I couldn't because yeah. I was taking on something that was actually that client's responsibility. I can be the, the catalyst. I can be the support. I can be aid. I can be the prompter, all of those things. But I cannot make him or her a better person or a more successful person or anything like that. And that's, and I think that that's where, oh, and the one other thing was 
struggling, uh, a challenge. I, I won't say it was huge, but it was there in the back of my mind. Coaches who seemed to be financially and professionally very successful, who would call them, who would in, in one way or another would present themselves as being what some coaches I, I've seen I'm talking about themselves that I'm a kick-ass coach, you know, and right. that to me is not what I want to do. And I used to think I should be more of that, you know, I should be more, I should be yeah. tougher with people, you know. Yeah. And um, and I thought, no, that's that's not what I do. If, if people want that, gotta go somewhere else. I had a company wanted me to coach their managing director one time and I sat down with him for half an hour, an hour, and I rang the director of the company who wanted me to coach this guy, and I said, I'm not your man. And he said, "What do you mean?" I said, um, I, "I, I, I can't, I can't coach him." He said, "Well, what we need is a kind of a drill sergeant." And I said, "I'm definitely not your man." <laughs> I like that. I like that. I, I, uh, I feel like you and I have a good alignment on this. Yes. Kindred spirits. I like yes. where you're going, and I like what you're saying. Yeah. There are. Um, a lot of people out there who have looked at the coaching field and thought, you know what? I love helping other people. Yeah. I love making a difference in other people's lives. And I've worked as a mentor or I've worked here and there, but they've gravitated towards this or they felt this magnetic pull of coaching and they're getting into coaching right now. And they may be listening as we speak. Any words of wisdom that you can share with those people any advice that you might be able to offer people that are just you know at the earlier stages of coaching this might sound like a plug for the iac uh, certification and it, it, i guess it is but not intended primarily as that it's intended primarily to, to give some encouragement to those people when i was working in the in the uh the training and education field uh, there was a phrase they used a lot, which would, when the universities were being encouraged to open up a bit and not have such rigid entry standards, they talked about recognition of prior learning. Uh, you know, somebody may have worked in a factory for years, they've supervised people, they've had huge responsibilities in terms of materials production or, or uh, whatever it happened to be, quality assurance, and they come to a university and say, I've reached a point in my life where I, I want to get a, a degree. Yeah. The, the, the university now can say, tell us what you've done. And they said, wow. That's really important. You've got all these life skills. You've got these management skills. Uh, we're going to give you a credit for the first two units of this first year, whatever it is. So that I feel, and I have talked to some people who've looked at various coaching offerings and have said, um, you've done these things, working in, in a, 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 as a volunteer in an aged care centre. Those are great life skills that you learn and they could should be taken into account when you set, line up to do some more academic study or to do coaching. And so what, what the IAC does, and, and I'm sure your regular listeners will, will know this, is uh, the IAC looks at um, who you are, what skills you have, and can you do this? And you can do training for it, but essentially um, the testing is on can you do this and knowing that you can grow and knowing that the IAC will provide the support for you to grow. So... Uh, I really feel people uh, coming into coaching, be proud of what you've achieved. And if you don't feel you've achieved much, you'll achieve a lot more <laughs> being a coach. <laughs> but, you know, we, the, the, the whole point, I think, I really think Thomas wanted this to be an organisation which took full account of people's skills and 
experience and life learning. But that's my that's my reading of it, and that's one of the things that's always attracted me to it. I relate, and it makes me think of a quick story here I want to share. People, I remember somebody's asked me in the past, what job did you have in the past that most prepared you for the future? Mm-hmm. And I thought about it for a while, and I thought, when I was in university, in between this, you know, the in the summer uh, break, I would yeah. work as a bike courier. And uh-huh. what being a, a bike courier, you know, is not like a big prominent job, but but what it taught me was prioritization, organization. When you've got forty packages in your back and you've got to make your way through the downtown area and at the speed of light because all this t- stuff is time sensitive, and then you're dodging traffic in between yeah. and all the rest of it, you're. Yeah you're running, you know, pedaling like your hair's on fire. And I think that that silly little job, which was a lot of fun and kept me in good shape was one of the things that had one of the most practical experiences that still pays dividends to this day as a coach. And uh, so your point is very, very well taken. You're on, you're all over because you're, you're digital media guy. You're on LinkedIn, you're on Twitter, you're on Facebook. Your website is deswalsh.com, D-E-S-W-A-L-S-H.com. If people want to look you up, I'm sure they're, you're, you're very easy to find, especially just saying that. Uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being with us today, taking time, sharing your experiences, sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. Thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate this. Thank you. Okay, excellent, folks. There we have it. Another fantastic, great episode of the International Coaching Podcast. Don't forget to register for the IAC Learning Circle, March 24th, 2021. Our panel is going to be talking about embracing coaching in youth. Details are at certifiedcoach.org slash events. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, for listening. Take care and bye for now.